one of you, turn in your Bible to Joshua, the book of Joshua. Everyone say, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. I'm not sure what that Joshua fit the battle means. Uh, Anybody that can help me out later, I'd appreciate it. But we're looking at Joshua, and particularly, uh, um, I'll introduce this in just a moment. My wife wanted to make... I, I wanted to do something. She wanted to make sure I mentioned this. Next Sunday evening is our couple's burger bash. Uh, where's John and Teresa Underwood? Where are they at? Jo- oh, they went upstairs. They went upstairs with the fours and fives. John and Teresa just haven't, they bought a new house not too long ago. Uh, is it, where do you, uh, the directions are, it's at the information booth, but a really neat place. I want to encourage all our couples to come. You say, what, what, in, what uh, makes up a couple? A guy and a girl. Or a man and a woman. You don't have to be married even, okay? You don't have to be young, okay? It's just a couple's connection. So we can build relationships with one another. So I, I want to encourage you to plug in and get involved with that. Go by the info booth and, and sign up because, uh, you know, when you have burgers, uh, how many of you know uh, Pastor Sam's not going to buy everybody's burger for them and cook it for them? It's a, it's a group effort. Amen. I do that every once in a while, but not this time. So go by and sign up. All the couples, even the newlyweds. We got the newlyweds in the house. There's Ross and Danielle. Y'all stand up. They're about three weeks in, four weeks into this thing. Give the newlyweds a big God bless you. Amen. Great couple right there. Uh, I'm just telling you, I have, I love these guys, but, and and I say guys generically, I love these guys, but after we had a little time together before they got married, I double love these guys. They are awesome. And uh, you want to get to know them as well. And everybody said, Amen. Turn in your Bible to Joshua. We're talking, we began a series, and these are, this is a longer series than, than anything I've done in a long time, but I really felt uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm not going to be the only one that's going to teach from this series and preach from this series. Our preaching team, uh, Brother Ryan's going to share a message, and, and Josh is going to share a message in, in this series. It's called Uncharted Waters. Everyone say Uncharted Waters. How many of you, sometimes in your life, you feel like you've launched out into uncharted waters? In fact, let me just stop. I meant to say this. I don't know if you got a bulletin, but Michelle, where's Michelle? Doesn't Michelle do a great job with the bulletin? Give Michelle a big God bless you. I love the cover of the bulletin today. Uncharted waters. Now, it seems like our life, and and from our perspective, uh, life, the future is uncharted. You know, I, we've never been this way before. I've never been in tomorrow. And so it seems as though it's uncharted waters. And it is from our perspective. But how many of you know from God's perspective, as he looks upon us, it's not uncharted waters? In fact, he's been this way. In fact, he has a plan for your life. Look around and tell your neighbor, God has a plan for you already. He already has a plan. In other words, he's already charted out his plan and purpose for your life. And so we're going to be learning how to navigate our way into God's perfect plan for our life. And we're looking at the life of Joshua as well as the children of Israel. And over the next 12 weeks, in fact, last Sunday we began, I'm going to give you 12 life lessons of spiritual progress. 12 life lessons of spiritual progress that if you learn these lessons and begin to appropriate them into your life, you will move forward into the destiny of God for your life. I gave the one that's coming up in a week or two away. How many of you know uh, that death and life is in the power of the tongue? And we'll look, this is in the future, I'm, I'm not sure what Sunday it is, but hey, uh, the children of Israel were stifled in the wilderness 
because of their complaining. And so our words are powerful, and so we'll learn about that. And, and, and we learned last week about an important principle, one of these life lessons, and that is this. Uh, it's the uh, embracing the promises of God. How many of you know when God called Joshua after Moses had died, he rehearsed and reviewed for him the promises of God, uh, not only to him, but to the children of Israel. And Joshua embraced the promises, and he led the people on into the promised land. Everyone say embrace the promises. And so you need to understand that these next 12, really now the next 10 weeks, next Sunday, because this Sunday will be number two, and then we've got 10 more. These next uh, uh, 10 Sundays are vitally important. How many of you want to progress in life? How many of you want to move further into God's plan for your life? How many of you want to fine tune the focus of God on your life? Listen, that's what we're talking about, navigating our way into God's perfect uh, plan for our life. These lessons that I'm going to be sharing with you, these life lessons of spiritual progress, they're designed to do three things. Number one, they're designed to lift the burden of the unknown off your life. Some people fret about tomorrow. How many of you know the Bible teaches us not to worry about tomorrow? We can be prepared. The Bible teaches us to be prepared for tomorrow. Amen? And God has our tomorrows in the palm of his hand. And so these promises, and pardon me, these lessons are going to lift the burden of the unknown off our life. Number two, they're going to lighten the load of unrighteous living off your life. As you begin to appropriate these principles and these lessons, hey, you're going to become more and more like God. And it's going to lighten the load. Some of you here today, you got a heavy burden of, of, of things and stuff and issues that God wants to lift off of your life. The third thing these life lessons are going to do they're going to lead you into God's unwavering promise and perfect plan for your life. You see, they're going to lift, lighten, and lead. Everyone say lift, lighten, and lead. Come on, lift, lighten, and lead. And if you need a little lifting, you need a little lightning, and you need a little leadership in your life, be here for the next 10 Sundays and just get a, become a part of this process of navigating our way into God's perfect plan for our life. In fact, if you missed last Sunday, I would encourage you to go back to, uh, uh, go to iTunes, go to our website, cotrnorth.com and just, and, and just listen to last Sunday and get caught up and begin to grow with us and we'll navigate our way into God's perfect plan for our life. And everybody said, amen. Now this morning, I want to give you life lesson number two, and it is this. It's the priority of God's presence. Everyone say the priority of God's presence. And when you look at Joshua and you look, and we'll look at uh, some particular passages about him where he embraced and he realized that the presence of God must take top priority in his life. In fact, when you look at this, this discourse in chapter one, where God comes to Joshua and says, Moses is dead. Now it's your time to step up to the plate and lead this people on into the promised land. Uh, we see that God comes to him and declares and promises to him that he would always be with him. How many of you appreciate the presence of God? You see, we need, we'll learn here in just a little bit without his presence, listen, we might as well stay where we are because it, we need his presence in our life. And, and so the, the, the promise of his presence is profound. Verse 5, look in verse 5. He, God says to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. How many of you appreciate that promise? And we, are, we learned something last week that, hey, the promises that came to the children of Israel, how many of you know we are the Israel of God? Amen. In fact, remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Hebrews said he would never leave us or forsake us. And so we need to embrace the promises. We talked about embracing them. We need to embrace the promise of his presence with us. Look in verse 9. God says, I have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Everyone say, he's with us. Look at your neighbor, say, he's with us wherever we go. Whew. Now, some of you, that scared you. He was with me yesterday. Uh-oh. Yes, he's with you wherever you go. It's a promise from God. And when you look at the children of Israel, they had a great history with the presence of God. Let me give you a little of the history of the children of, uh, uh, of Israel. As God began to lead them out of Egyptian bondage, if you looked in Exodus 13, uh, the last two verses there, you, you learned that the children of Israel were led out of the Egyptian bondage and led even through the wilderness by a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. A manifestation of the presence of God in their life. And I thought about the children of Israel this morning as I was praying and thinking about this. And, and you know, even when they made mistakes and as a result, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. How many of you know God It was still with them? He was leading, you know, when life seems like it's on hold, listen carefully. When it seems like progress is halted, when it seems like you're in a, in a, a holding pattern. I don't know if there's any pilots in the house. I know I got a helicopter pilot here, but you know, sometimes you're, the, the airport puts you in a holding pattern and you're just around and around the, the airport. You're just doing the same old thing over and over, waiting for your chance to land. How many of you know, just because you're in a holding pattern doesn't mean that you don't need to stay connected to the control tower and, and, and constant direct. And the children of Israel, even in their wilderness wanderings, they were led by God by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It's a powerful thing. It's the manifestation of God's presence in their lives and in their country. And then when the tabernacle was built in Exodus 40, if I had time, we'd go look at all these passages. I, I encourage you to look at them. And when they got all the pieces together, you know, it was a detailed description, the tabernacle, a place for God's manifest presence to dwell in the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone say the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was completed and all the detail that God gave Moses was put together and it was all there. And then at the end, there was a great dedication and the Bible says that the, man, the cloud came down and began to manifest and the presence of God was, was made manifest there. And from that point, God's presence was manifest in the Ark of the Covenant. And I wish I had time. To, uh, to talk more about it, but needless to say, that's where God dwelt among men. It's a representation of the presence of God in their life. And then you fast forward to the life of Joshua. Now he's up against this, this, uh, uh, the river Jordan. And what do we see? In fact, you can read it later. What happens? Uh, God gives them detailed instructions. 
And he says, get the priests and let them pick up the Ark of the Covenant and let them stand in the river and the waters will be parted and the people will cross over on dry land. How many of you appreciate that miracle? Understand something about the presence of God for the children of Israel. What can we learn even from that? His presence in the midst of your obstacle will produce power in your life and produce a pathway where there is no way. Have you ever felt up like you were up against a rock and a hard, between a rock and a hard place? Listen, the presence of God will make a way where there is no way. And so we see the children of Israel, they always lived and they were always led by the presence of God through the pillar of cloud and the fire by night as well as the Ark of the Covenant. Then if you get them across the river, what's the first thing they had to do? They had to overcome and circle Jericho. And if we had time, we'd read that story where specific instructions came, where the Ark of the Covenant was involved in the marching around of Jericho for, five, for seven days, five days, six days. I didn't read my story very well this morning. But they circled around, they circled around, and the presence of God went with them. And we know the end of that story, that the walls came tumbling down. You see, the children of Israel began to understand, hey, the presence of God, the presence of God and the miraculous power of God. What do you think they learned? What do you think we could learn? That, hey, that the, if we'll let the Spirit of God lead us, guess what? God will lead us and produce victory in our lives against the enemies that come our way. It's the priority of God's presence in our life. It's no different for us today. Now, if we fast forward even way beyond this moment, you can see the, the life of David and has, as he began to incorporate the Ark of the Covenant. And in fact, at one place in 2 Samuel chapter 6, the Ark of the Covenant had to be dropped off, if you will, a temporary place at the house of Obed-Edom. Everyone say Obed-Edom. Come on, everybody say Obed-Edom. Say it 10 times real fast. No, Obed-Edom, I can't do it. And the Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant, when it, when it dwelt at the place or the house of Obed-Edom, that his house and all that he had began to prosper. When the presence of God was in his home, life was good for Obed-Edom. And he prospered him and all his household. What do we learn? His presence in our midst always produces favor and blessing. And so as we look at our own lives, we learn this principle of, of prioritizing our lives and realizing that we need his presence in our life. In fact, we need to learn from Joshua this morning. Joshua had a passion for the presence of God. I mean, there was something on the inside of Joshua that caused him to want to tarry in the presence of God. In fact, uh, the, his passion was, is seen best in Exodus 33. Turn, ah, you don't need to turn. We'll just tell stories and then, uh, about these passages. You write them down. Exodus 33, it's the chapter right after the children of Israel made the molten calf. How many remember that story? Moses is on the mountain. Children of Israel go bazookas. They, they get off course, they get off track, and they think God's left them. So, hey, let's make this calf, and we'll worship this golden calf. Remember the story? If you don't remember the story, read it this afternoon, Exodus 32. Well, I'm telling you, at that point, God has had it up to here. And in Exodus 33, God comes to Moses, and he says this. 
You take them on into the promised land because I promised them that I would give them the land. And I'll even send the angel of the Lord with you. You take them on into the promised land. You go right on. But God tells them, I'm not going. God tells Moses, you lead them on in, but I'm not going. At that point, Moses realized he had a real issue. And he and Joshua went to the tabernacle. And if you read the story, they go into the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant is, and that's the presence of God. And the Bible says that all the people stood in the doors of their tents, and they watched as Moses and Joshua went into the tabernacle of meeting. And there's no record of what they said when they were in the tabernacle of meeting, but at one key point, Moses comes out of the tabernacle and goes into his tent, but there's a key phrase. It says, but Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. There was something about this young man, this assistant, this sidekick to Moses that had a passion for the presence of God and potentially it was a reality that without the presence of God in their life, they were in serious trouble. And so uh, then Moses comes before God and he says, hey, God, if you don't go, we don't go. Everyone say, if God doesn't go, we don't go. You say, go back to the cloud. If the cloud didn't move, the people didn't move. If the pillar of fire didn't move, the people didn't move. And God in Exodus 33 says, I'm not going. And Moses basically said, and Joshua, they're in the presence of God. They realize without your presence, we aren't moving an inch. And finally, God looks down and he realizes and he sees the passion that Joshua and Moses have for the presence of God. And he said, Okay, I'll go. How many appreciate God's promises? You and I have got to have the same passion after the presence of God in our life. Without his presence, hey, if he doesn't go, we don't go. Look at your neighbor and say, if he doesn't go, we don't go. Come on, tell somebody. If he doesn't go, we don't go. We've got to have his presence in our life leading us day by day. We've got to prioritize the presence of God in our life. In fact, I love what David said in Psalm 27. You know if you've been around here long, it's one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 27, David said, one thing I've asked of the Lord and that what I seek that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord. One thing I've desired, that I may dwell in the presence of God all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. You see, without his presence, you can't have his presence. What was the promised land to the children of Israel? It was his promised presence with a T. I'm going to give you the promised land. You'll never get your promised land. You'll never get your divine will of God for your life without the manifest presence of God being top priority in your life. Without his presence in your life leading you and guiding you and directing you, you'll never make it into God's perfect plan for your life. Amen. David said, one thing I desire of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire 
in his temple. He had fallen in love, just like Joshua, with the presence of God. Amen. And so this morning, in the next few moments, I want to give you some important areas of your life to help you prioritize the presence of God in your life. To make the presence of God top priority. Are you ready? I'm going to give you four things. Four priorities that will help you prioritize God's presence in your life, that will release his presence in your life. And the first one is this. It's the priority of purity. Everyone say the priority of purity. Interesting thing, when God, if you went back to Exodus 40 and you read about the tabernacle before, the, before Moses and Joshua and the priests could go into the presence of God, there was a place that you came to before you got into the manifest presence of God and it was a place where there was washing and cleansing, a cleansing of the body which was a, a picture of what God ha- wants to do and needs to do in our life if we're going to live in his presence. How many of you know we've got to be righteous and holy to enter into into the presence of God. In fact, the Bible says this about the priority of purity. Uh, in fact, ooh, you remember what uh, uh, Joshua said to the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 3 when he's building anticipation in them about crossing over into the promised land? He said this in Joshua 3. He said, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders in your midst. Everyone say, sanctify yourselves. How many of you know if you're going to, God's going to do wonders in your midst, there has to be the, and he's going to be in your midst doing wonders, there has to be some purity. In fact, the psalmist said this, one of my, another one of my favorite passages, and when it comes to the Psalms, Psalm 24, it says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands. And a pure heart. You see, if you want to make the presence of God top priority in your life, you're going to have to make a righteous living a top priority in your life and make purity a top priority in your life and sanctify yourselves. You know, there was just a few times in Jesus' life when he really snapped. You know when he snapped? When he walked into the temple and there was the house of God which was to be a house of prayer, had been turned into a house of merchandise. And Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, went out, and he really didn't snap. He was very strategic. He built him. He made a cat of nine tails. And if you know anything about a cat of nine tails, it's long strips of leather with bone and and metal uh, interwoven in these long strips of metal. And Jesus the Lord of glory, entered into the tabernacle, uh, pardon me, into the temple, and he began to hit people. Oh, come on, Jesus Christ. Hey, read it. It's in the Bible. He went in there, started wailing at people, and he declared, you've turned the presence of God, the place of God's presence, into a house of merchandise. In other words, the, the house of God, which, how many of you know, we're the temple of God? needed a cleansing. And if we're going to make the presence of God, which is vitally necessary, if he doesn't go, we don't go. If we're going to make the presence of God top priority in our life, we've got to make purity a top priority. And let me just say, I'm a little discouraged 
about what I see by and large in the world we live in. And I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. The church by and large has developed a mindset of mediocrity and and letting down of the guard when it comes to righteous living. And have developed mindsets that says it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. I can go here, I can go there. God understands. I was born this way. This is just life. This is the way it is. And, and you know what? God is not impressed with that. That kind of mindset will not get us into God's perfect plan for our life. That's why God spoke through Joshua to the children of Israel, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord's going to be in your midst and He's going to do wonders. It's the priority of purity. Number two, if we're going to prioritize God's presence in our life, not only do we need the priority of purity, but we need the priority of praise. I love Psalm 22. It says this, the first few verses, it says this about praise. It says, he inhabits or he dwells within the praises of his people. Praise releases God's manifest presence in your life. In fact, if you look in 1 Chronicles 16, I believe it's 1 Chronicles 16, David, once they got the, 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 the tabernacle and things in place, uh, he began to set things in order. And if you read 1 Chronicles 16, you will see that David set into motion a methodology for constant praise and worship to, be, to, to incorporate and be all around the manifest presence of God. In fact, he appointed people. Hey, remember Obed-Edom? Remember Obed-Edom, the one that the ark hung out at his house for a few months? Remember him? It's neat when you read this passage of Scripture. You know what he got? I could just see Obed-Edom. I want in on this. Because I have tasted. I want as close as I can get. They put Obed-Edom over the guard, the, the gates, to guard the presence of God. I could just see Obed-Edom. He's sitting out there going, oh, hallelujah. When you get in his presence, there's blessing and favor. And all around the Ark of the Covenant was constant praise and worship. You want God's presence in your life? You worship him. You, you love him. Oh, but pastor, I don't know about all that clapping and shouting and dancing and singing. I just guard him in my heart. And I hold him deep within my heart. And my response to that is, come out, come out wherever you are. Because if the Lord of glory lives on the inside of you, he's worthy of all your praise. And it releases his presence in your life. It's the priority of purity and the priority of praise. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on, I'm telling you, what's the the first thing that ought to be coming out of our mouth every morning? Hallelujah. Some people get up and they go, oh, good Lord, it's morning. 
That's the wrong way to do it. You ought to get up and say, good morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Some of you, that just unnerves you a little bit. Well, just sit out in the wilderness and keep wandering around. Because without his presence, you'll not move into the perfect plan of God for your life. You've got to begin to prioritize. It's the priority of purity and the priority of praise. And number three, if we're going to move into God's perfect plan for our life, we need to incorporate the priority of prayer. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, it talks about the, the power of prayer. And Jesus promises that two, where two of you agree can, uh, concerning anything that they ask, he will do it for you. And then the next verse is, it's the promise of his presence. He says, when two of you began to pray, not only will I go to work for you, but I'll show up and I'll be right there in your midst. Now that's not rocket science. I'm going to just do it again. How many of you appreciate Jesus being, you know, just kind of meat and potatoes? If you'll come together and pray in faith and believe and agree together over the things that you're asking at the place of prayer, I will do it for you. And oh, by the way, when you do that, I'm going to show up and I'll be there right in your midst. It's the priority of prayer. You know, last night, I don't know, 15, 20 people were scattered all throughout the sanctuary just releasing praise and releasing prayer. Why do they do that? Because they're prioritizing the presence of God in their life. He inhabits the praises of his people, and when we pray, guess what? He shows up in our midst. Amen? And finally today, if you're going to prioritize God's presence in your life, move into God's perfect plan for your life, you've got to incorporate the priority of purpose. Jesus' last words on planet Earth prior to his bodily departure, amazing promise from God. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's our purpose. Did you know the, pur- the, the purpose of the church is not to bless one another? Do you know most people shop churches based upon the blessing level? Come on. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That's our purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, that's our purpose. We have a purpose. You see, just as Joshua had a purpose and a promise, we've got a purpose and a promise. Joshua had the purpose of leading the people into the promised land. And basically that's our purpose too. We lead people into God's promised possession of eternal life for their life. That is our purpose, going to all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, here's the promise. 
I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Without His presence in our life, we cannot move into His promise for our life. And His promises, whoo, He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If you want to move into the promises of God for your life, yes, we've got to embrace the promises. But then number two, we've got to prioritize His presence in our life through purity and praise and prayer and embracing the purpose of God for each and every one of us. And guess what? The same promise that came to Joshua is for us today. I'm with you always. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Everyone say never. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together. He'll never leave us or forsake us. I want you to begin to thank him right now for the manifest presence of God in your life. And as we stand together, let me give you one verse that I call our present day pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. It's the peace of God that comes when we embrace His presence in our life. When we prioritize His presence in our life, there is a peace that comes. And Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule your heart. That word rule means to be the umpire. It's baseball season. The umpire says it's safe, out, or foul. Fair, strike, ball. Paul the apostle said, let the peace of God be the umpire of your heart. Let that peace of God that comes by embracing his presence in your life and prioritizing his presence in your life. Because let me tell you something. When you, the, the, the Bible says he'll keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And so today, God wants to move us through the wildernesses of sameness and lameness into God's promised possession, his perfect plan for our lives. We've got to embrace his promises, but we've got to prioritize his presence. This morning, as we come to the close of this service, take these four things and begin to embrace them, the priority of purity. I'm going to begin to allow him to sanctify me. I'm going to sanctify myself. I'm going to set myself apart from that which is unholy and unhealthy and unwise. Let me tell you, some things may not be a sin, but they may not be the smartest thing in the world to do. Hello? In fact, the Bible says if there's anything that keeps you from God, it's a sin. Anything that limits you and keeps you out of God's purpose and plan for your life. Anything that hinders your testimony. It's the priority of purity. It's the priority of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's the priority of prayer. God will show up in our midst when we begin to seek Him. 
It's the priority of his purpose. When you're busy about the purpose of God, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Let's bow our heads before the Lord.